Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this church. I know you are working in the lives of our people. Lord, you're working in my life. You're growing me. You're stretching me, and I'm so thankful for that. I pray Revelation 2-7 today we have ears to hear. 1 Timothy 4-1, the Spirit of God speaks clearly. And I just thank you, Luke 5-1, that people press in this morning to hear the word of the living God. And as we do, Father, Mark 4-20, we're good ground. When your word is sown into us, we produce a fruit. We produce a return on that word. And we thank you for it in the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. And if you agree, would you just say amen? We're in a series called Generation Adjusters, and we want to turn to Psalm 78. So open your Bibles. We're going to jump in. Let me encourage you, if this is a new series for you, you can check it out online. We'll be sending out a link later on today where you can check it out on video on YouTube. So we have lots of avenues, podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, you name it. You can jump on and listen. And I would encourage you to catch up. This is part three of Generation Adjusters. And when you teach in series and you like to teach as much as I do, part three is just where it really starts getting good. We're just, we've been idling the motor and now we're ready to, to lift off. And so let's read Psalm 78 and verse 6. This message was birthed in my heart by accident. I was writing a thank you note and I was looking up some encouraging scriptures that I wanted to put in the thank you note. And I came across this scripture and honestly it had not leapt off the page in such a way as it did this time. I, I, I've heard this scripture, and I've known it, I've read it, but it, it became alive on the inside of me. It, it was almost like the Lord said, this is your assignment. This is the assignment for this generation. This is the assignment for this church. How many of you believe we live in a generation that needs a little bit of adjustment? How many of you believe we live in a generation that needs an adjustment towards God? We don't need an adjustment towards self or selfishness. We don't need an adjustment towards more material things. We need an adjustment towards the things of God in a major way. So we're going to talk about a generation adjuster. Psalm 78 verse 6, you'll see it on the screen and you can follow along. It says, so that the next generation would know them. Talking about the statutes of God the promises of God, even the children yet to be born. And let me just pause for just a minute and say that your walk with God today affects future generations. Your walk with God today affects even children who are not yet born. And it says that they would in turn tell their children. Look at verse 7. So they would put their trust in God, and they would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. How many of you, by a show of hands, would love to see that in our generation? How many of our awesome college students who are in here today, whom we love dearly and appreciate you, how many of you would love to see that on our college campuses? That they would put their trust in God, they would not forget His deeds, and they would keep His commands. Verse 8, that they would not be like their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious generation, whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirits were not faithful to Him. And this is the passage the Lord gave us about being a generation adjuster, how we can align our life in 2019 to make a major difference for the Lord. As a point of just small review, we gave you four gems to being a generation adjuster. One thing you'll learn about me is I love alliteration. The greater the alliteration, the greater the anointing. Can I have an oh yeah out there? And so this is four gems to being a generation adjuster. We're going to quickly go over them. I'm going to read them all, and then we will just review just a couple. Give yourself wholly to God. We spent the first week talking about consecration. 
we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. The, the world changer is the person who gives their self wholly to the Lord. Not part. That's what Pastor Michael was talking about this morning. Not giving God just a part of yourself. Not just giving God an hour on Sunday or two. Uh, if some you know long-winded preacher, maybe two and a half. Giving your whole heart and your soul and your mind to the Lord. And then we talked about getting closer to God. And then later on today, we're going to talk about being a generous life, being an extravagant giver. And then we're going to talk about, in a couple of weeks, going where He sends you. If you are following the Lord, He will give you direction. He'll give you a path. And then when God calls, you've got to go. So not only do we want to give ourselves wholly to the Lord, but we number two, you'll see this on the screen, we want to get closer to God. This is what we talked about last week. And I gave you some functions of fasting. So real quick on the review, just pull up that next screen. We talked about fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. How many of you are in the middle of your fast and are working through that and seeing the benefits? I'm, I'm seeing the benefits spiritually and a little bit physically. Amen? I'm telling you, when I break this fast, I'm going to five guys and it is going to be the greatest day in all the world. And I am very excited. But we talked about fasting was very common in the Old New Testament. We talked about fasting is an invitation. And my children go through these sermons with us. They listen to my podcast. We sit down. We listen to other ministers. We take notes. I want them to learn and grow. And I asked one of my children, I said, what stuck out to you? And they said the fact that fasting is not just a command, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation to go on a journey with God. It's not a, you have to do this or I won't love you. Or you have to do this or I won't bless you. It's an invitation to become closer to the Lord. As Pastor Michael said, James 4, 7, 8, draw near to God. He draws near to you. That's what 21 days of consecration is. And praying and fasting is tremendous. Uh, It helps in that tremendous. And then number three, fasting is a grace. God helps us in our weakness. Let's look at the next review screen. Fasting, number four, strengthens my body. It it is good for your body to fast. Medically, they will tell you there are tremendous benefits to fasting. Uh, It strengthens my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. And then it, it strengthens my spirit. Number five, fasting increases my humility. We read way back from Leviticus where they were to humble their souls. And the way they humbled their souls was by fasting. And then last one, number six, We talked to you about fasting increases my sensitivity and increases my awareness of the Holy Spirit. So check out that podcast because we do want to advance today in the message. Number three, this is our third gem to adjust a generation. And it is to give and be extravagantly generous. Now, all of a sudden in the room, I can see people shifting. I can see you locking onto that wallet. That's why we're taking the offering at the end of the service. Praise the Lord. You're going to get a chance to do the word. I'm teasing because really, actually today, we're not even probably going to get into finances. We're going to spend a whole series and a whole session on giving and being extravagantly generous. And unless I take a Holy Spirit rabbit trail... Giving is not even in the notes today. Let me show you these things. You'll, you'll see this on the screen. Let me give you some grounds to be generous in. And you'll see the whole list here on the screen, and then we will talk through these as we... Can you advance to the next screen? You should see it on the screen. You don't have, all, you don't have a list that says all of them. There we go. Thank you. So we're going to give you some good ground to sow generously in. This is some ground that you can be generous in. So it's not just about money. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not just about money. Tell your other neighbor, it is a little bit about money. <laughs> but it's not all about money. So I'm going to give you some good ground to sow generosity in. Now let me just tell you, this is so alive in my heart. 
I, I began to analyze my life and look at my life. And I, I really believe that where I am today as a man, where I am today with my family, where I am today uh, in my uh, blessing level, in my prosperity level, in my joy level, whatever you want to say, where I am today, I believe is the result of, of being generous. I don't say, hey, look at me, I'm Mr. Generous. But I want to tell you as a leader, as a pastor, you, 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 we, I follow the good shepherd. I'm an under shepherd. And then how will you know what to do unless I, we share, unless the word brings it out? So I, I want to share some things about our life. Uh, honestly, generosity is something we've folded into our character. We're folding it into our children. It's not just something we talk about. I'm not just up here saying, ringing the offering plate, hey, you need to give more money. There's so many more things than that. Since I was 16 years old, and I could drive, and I had a job, and could make some decisions on my own, and had a little finances on my own. I look back, and God has given me a grace to be to have a generous life. I want my children to be characterized by a generous life. How many of you have ever met somebody that is just greedy and stingy with everything? Man, no fun, no fun. Let me let me prove it to you. Show me a marriage that is struggling, and I'll show you someone in that marriage that is a life taker. You show me a marriage that is strong and healthy, someone or both, probably both in that marriage, they are life givers. God calls us to be generous. What does John 3.16 say? Everybody knows this. For God so loved the world that He... Aren't you glad it doesn't say for God so loved the world that He sold? That He hocked His only one and only son? God is a giver. One of the characteristics of God is His generosity towards us in mercy, grace, forgiveness. Every, everything we have is, is because of the generosity of God. And now, let me also back up and, and say this. I'm not preaching this to you because you're not generous with your time and, and all these things. We're, we're growing and we're learning together. But this is a very generous church. Many of you serve. Many of you give. Many of you have a generous life, even outside of our congregation. So this is not to... to reprimand those of you who are not doing this but this goes out all over we have people listen on this on the podcast and then this also will help everybody in the room so let me just read this screen number one here we're, we're going to be life-giving with our words we're going to just travel through this whole screen for just a second so we can stay right there we're going to be generous in mercy and forgiveness have you ever thought about forgiving what's one of the words in forgiving give when you're forgiving you're giving we're going to be generous, and we're going to sow into the ground of serving the church body, even the body of Christ at, at large. We're going to be generous and sow into the ground of generosity in our time and our talents. We're going to be generous, as we'll talk about in a, in a couple of weeks, with our treasure, with our finances. These are some things that we can sow generosity in. And so let's jump in today. I, I want to jump in, and I think this will help you. In, in a tremendous way. Our very first scripture is in Proverbs chapter 11. I love this. This is one of my life verses. I want to look at it in two translations. We'll, we'll follow along on the screen. I want us to approach generosity in a different light. This is not just so you can be blessed. This is not just so you have a nicer car, a nicer home. This is not just so you feel good about yourself. This is for the future generation. Would you be so kind to say this with me? Say, my generous life is for the next generation. We're talking about adjusting a generation. And I want to help you in a great way this morning. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Let's read it. Here it goes on the screen. There is one who scatters. I love this. Yet he increases all the more. You see, the world says, don't scatter. Don't sow. That we're talking about seeds. The world says, withhold all that you can. The world says, in order to get more, you need to hold on to more. But the Bible says, there is one who scatters. Yet increases all the more. 
But there is one who withholds more than what is justly due. He's not talking about saving. There's a justly due portion that I need to withhold. I need to save and take care of my family. God would never call me to invest a generous life at the expense of my family, at the expense of my own uh, paying my bills. God doesn't call us to do that. So there is a portion of my life that is justly withheld. There's a portion of my life that I withhold only for my wife and my family. I love you, but you're not getting as much as Pastor James as my family gets. I'm withholding what is justly due. But it would not be just for me to withhold all my life from you. Does that make sense? Notice this here in this passage, verse 25. It says, the generous man. Say that with me. The generous man. You could say woman even in this case. The generous man will prosper. Do we believe the Bible? It doesn't say might doesn't say if. It says the generous man will prosper. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about prosperity and what, what is that. It's not just this abundance of money. The, the prosperous soul. The book of James talks about having a prosperous soul. So many people confuse uh, wealth and riches with prosperity and abundance. Let me help you with something concerning abundance. If you go to the grocery store and you have $20 worth of need to buy groceries, you have a $20 need and you have $15 in your pocket, you are operating in insufficiency. You have a greater need than what you have to meet. But if you go to the grocery store and you, you have a $20 need on your shopping list, this is what your family needs, and you have $20 in your pocket, you're operating in sufficiency. You have enough to do what you need to do. That's honestly where a lot of people live. But we serve a God of abundance. We serve a God who is more than enough. So let me, let me take this example just a little further. Let me help your mind thinking about abundance and prosperity. If you go to the grocery store and you have a $20 need and you have $25 in your pocket, you now have an abundance. You see what I'm saying? We, we think of abundance as lavish and all this and all this wealth. Frankly, if you have a $20 need and you go to the store, you now can help someone who has a $5 need you know, have an abundance of resources and you can now help them and be a blessing. Does that help you understand that just a little bit? Prosperity is, is having enough resources to do what God has called you to do and then having some left over to help other people. That's my definition of prosperity. Having enough resources to do what God has called me to do and then having some left over for others. So we're talking about a generous life. Now I want you to see this. He who waters will himself be watered. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past 20 years, I've been watering and encouraging and watering and encouraging and refreshing. And I am living proof that when you give out a generous life in all these areas we talked about, it comes back and you are encouraged and you are refreshed. Look at this in the New Living. I think you'll see this on the screen. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. It says, be stingy and lose everything. Sounds like Monopoly, doesn't it? Sounds like the game. Now look at verse 25. This is what I really wanted you to see. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I gave you all those grounds that we can be generous in. So let's talk a little bit more about this. And I want to show you a tragedy in the Bible. This is such a terrible story. It's a tragedy, but I want to bring some things out this morning. Look at Judges chapter 2. We're going to go all the way back. Anybody remember Moses? Anybody? Okay, you're doing good. You're in your Bible reading. All right. Moses who? Yeah. Anybody remember Joshua? 
For those of you who don't, it's okay. Don't be condemned. We understand. You may not know these stories. Moses led God's people out of Egypt. They were in slavery. And then Moses died, and God raised up a young leader named Joshua. Joshua led the people of God into the promised land. Joshua, which is actually the word Jesus in the New Testament, is the word Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua means deliverer. Jesus in the New Testament is the, basically the New Testament word for the Old Testament name Joshua. Jesus is our deliverer. Catch this now. Joshua led the people into the promised land. Say that with me. Say, Joshua led the people into the promised land. He led them to prosperity. He led them to abundance. He led them to blessings. He led them to the land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds like it would be a good place for some cereal. Amen? A land flowing with milk and honey. He led them to this amazing place of prosperity. But the tragedy of the story is this. That's why the psalmist said, In my prosperity I will not forget you, God. I look in the room today and we are a prosperous group. But there's a danger, Josh, if we don't aim our prosperity for the next generation. Look at Judges chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. Hey, this is your inheritance. Go, take it. And all the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Notice this here. All the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And it says, all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, because they had seen the great work of the Lord, which he had done for them. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua was an orphan. Amen. Josh didn't have a dad. He was the son of Nun. <laughs> Come on, that was good. Joshua, the son of Nun. Who's your dad? None of your business. Amen. None of you. <laughs> None of your business. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Verse 9, they buried him in the territory of his inheritance. Look at verse 10. This is the, one of the greatest tragedies in all the Bible. This, these people, the ancestors, had crossed the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army was drowned. The ancestors were brought out of Egypt by all these amazing plagues. The ancestors crossed the river Jordan on dry ground. The ancestors had won battle after battle after battle. And as long as Joshua was alive, they served the Lord. They had prosperity. But they became so comfortable in their blessing. They became so comfortable in their prosperity. Look at one of the greatest strategies in all of the Bible. Verse 10. And that generation also was gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation. After them who did not know the Lord nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. You had this in incredibly blessed and prosperous people in abundance, and yet there arose a generation that did not know the Lord. So when I'm talking about being a generous life, being a generous person, it is so there is not a generation that doesn't arise, that doesn't know the Lord. Doesn't this sound like Psalm 78? We want to know the Lord and pass it on to our future generations. Look with me at Luke chapter 6. Turn over there if you've got your Bibles or flip over. Is it okay if we hop around in the Bible today? Amen. Luke six thirty six. This is a, a real famous passage that is used all the time in receivings of, of offerings and givings, and thank God for that, and it applies. But I want to show you a little context. Notice here, Luke six thirty eight. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Look at verse 37. And it says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, 
and you will not be condemned. It says, pardon, and you will be pardoned. Now let's look at verse 38. This is where everybody pulls this out for tithe and offerings. And thank God for this. It does apply to that. But notice we didn't talk about money. We were talking about mercy. We're talking about justice. We're talking about pardoning. We're talking about forgiving. We're talking about not being condemning. Notice this here in verse 638. Give. What is he talking about, give? Give mercy. Give uh, give a chance. Don't, don't give with prejudice. Give pardon. Give grace. It says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. If you need mercy, you should give mercy. If you need generosity in your joy and in your encouragement, you should give it away. It says, give and it will be given unto you. The whole chapter doesn't talk about money, but it talks about all these other things. I want to change your focus about generosity from just money to your life. It's your whole life. It's your whole heart. And I want to give us a PowerPoint for life here this morning. Check this out on the screen. A giving life is a life that attracts the blessings in favor of God. Notice I didn't say brings the blessings in favor of God because Ephesians chapter 1 says God has already released His will and His desire to bless us. God has already released His will and desire to give you favor and blessing and prosperity. And when you live a generous life, it's like a magnet. Man, it's like Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I wish I could stand up here and tell you how many good things happened to me People are always giving me things. I'm always getting the best deals. I'm always getting the best sales. I'll be at home and I'll be thinking about something that I like to buy. And the Holy Spirit will just say, get on Craigslist or get on eBay. And I'll find it for like half the cost. Uh, it's, it's amazing when you live a giving life, how it's reciprocated. You cannot keep the blessings in favor of God off of my life. It's like a magnet. It's like when I'm, when I'm generous, I attract the blessings of God. But notice the flip side. A stingy, greedy life repels the favor of God. Well, I don't feel like anything ever goes right for me. Have you ever helped anybody? Have you ever served? Have you ever given to missions? Have you ever... Now, we're not doing these things to earn and deserve God's love and favor. And Jesus already paid the price for that. But here's the word I want you to see. It attracts or it repels. It attracts... Or repels. Very funny story. I was in Argentina on a mission trip. And how many know that when your uh, wife is pregnant and there's all that goes on with Zika and, and mosquito bites and those things, you want to be real careful and, and use wisdom. And so I had read online that it wasn't really mosquito season, but my sweet wife wanted me to use wisdom. And what the sweet, sweet wife says goes. Can I have an amen from all the men out there? So she bought me these little wristbands that were mosquito repellent. But we were trying to be real sneaky because I didn't want to look like a dork. I didn't want to be the only guy trying to repel mosquitoes. Some of you are like, Pastor, you can't do anything to help looking like a dork. It's just on you. It's just you wear it like a badge. I understand. And you're no longer my favorite for laughing at that. But I had this. I was so embarrassed, Jared. This is you'll think this is so funny. So I'm sitting at the table with all these pastors, Argentine pastors, and. And they've all got their nice smart watches on and all that. And, and it looks like a Fitbit. Honestly, the, the mosquito repellent bracelets we bought, it was black. It looked like a little, it even had a little face on it. But the face wasn't a face. It was a little pouch of mosquito repellent. 
And I'm sitting here with this Argentine pastor, and he looks at me and says, oh, what, do you have a Fitbit? What kind of watch is it? I was like, seriously, out of all the people at the table, you have to point out my watch? I said, no. I started to lie and be like, yeah, it's that newest brand, you know. But I was like, well, I may not make it home if I do that. And, and so I, I said, I said, no, it's actually not. It's, it's, it's mosquito repellent. And then I heard them saying something in Spanish, and then they all started laughing at me. And they were talking in Spanish, and I had no idea what they were saying. But it was not positive. It was not encouraging. I mean, I was determined. I was going to repel those mosquitoes. And praise God, I didn't get a single, hey, listen, you can make fun of me all you want. I had them on my ankles. I had them on both wrists. I did not get a single mosquito bite, and nobody came near me the whole week. It's like, what's that smell? It smells like chemicals in you. What's that smell? And, and, but I was repelling the mosquitoes. When we're generous with our life, we attract God's blessings. But when we are greedy and stingy with our life, not just money, we repel the blessings of God, just like I was repelling those mosquitoes. And I want you to see that in a real clear way. Let me give you a quick video testimony. We've got a family here who they're downstairs today teaching in kids' church. But if you don't know Joseph and Kayla Jackson, they're a wonderful, wonderful family. I have seen them grow in the last uh, three, uh, four years they've been here. And I've seen them go from just walking in normal Christianity to really walking in the favor of God. They're some of the most gracious, generous people that I honestly know. And that's, I'm glad they're downstairs today because I can be a little more open about that. But I want you to just watch this uh, quick little video, just a testimony about some things that God has, uh, that, that has been attracted into their life as they have, have lived a generous life. Check this out. So today James wants to just share, uh, wants us to just share a brief history um, uh, about how generosity has really impacted our lives. Um, first off, whenever we say generosity, there's always the financial aspect, you know, we given and that type of stuff and God's blessed us uh, but there's also the time um, we've been uh, we've been very generous with our time and what I can see return from that is just the peace that we carry around with each other um, we have peace and I think that has a lot to do with it um, but there's also the financial side from the very beginning um, God put it on our heart to uh, whatever you give me, because we're not giving to a church. Whatever you give me, you're giving to God. I will give you back 10, 20, 100 fold. Uh, and from our wedding, we gave the first 10% of our wedding uh, gifts that we got, um, as well as we've had, uh, I'll let Kaylee talk about some special and events and opportunities we've had here because that's what they are. They're opportunities to give. Um, we've been generous with our time, whether it be functions such as the superhero outreach or our Easter production that we did with having the science experiments and having the kids come in for that. And we put 110% of our time into that and we saw some fruit come from that and maybe not so much maybe adding a lot of families to our church, but we saw our fruit grow with strengthening relationships with some of the young adults in our church. Um, we got a bunch of them involved and since then we've been able to have game nights and we've just become a lot closer together and so we saw a blessing come out of that. Um, we also helped participate in giving money towards the backpacks for the children at the Superior Outreach and I know that that went personally to bless so many children that couldn't have the school supplies that they need. Um, through being generous here at Emmanuel and you know 
with our time and with our finances. God has blessed us immensely. Uh, I was in a stressful job situation when we first moved here, and after being faithful here at Emmanuel with our generosity, um, God provided an amazing job opportunity for me to bring in, and it has been such a blessing. And I want to tie that. What what other things we've seen from our generosity? I can tell you with a, without a shadow of a doubt, the home that we're in right now, we wouldn't be in if it wasn't for the generosity. This is something that God promised us and said, if you can be faithful to me, I will put you where I want you. And he did pick where we, where we live. It's a beautiful home. Uh, I hope you get to come if you haven't come and enjoy our space. Um, we, we don't want to say, hey, look at us. This is what we've done. We just want to show you the fruit that you can have from being generous. Uh, and just how much it's actually, you're not giving to the church. I want to reemphasize that. You're giving to God. And so whatever you give God, He's always faithful to give back. So. And, and the Bible clearly says in Matthew 10, 8 that, you know, freely you've received, freely you shall give. And we have seen that firsthand. The more freely that we give, the more freely that God gives to us. And it's been truly a blessing to see that. Amen. Come on. Can you encourage the Jackson family? Amen. So we'll just jump in. We'll cover one today just for time's sake. But the first ground that I want to teach you today to be generous and in is life-giving words. We'll just spend a few minutes here, and I think this will really, really help you. In our life-giving words, I alluded to it a minute ago. You show me a marriage that is struggling, and I will show you someone who is life-taking. You show me a marriage that is healthy. You show me a family that is healthy. You show me a church that is healthy, and it's full of people who give life with words. Do you know that life and death is in the power of your tongue? Your tongue is so powerful. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. You'll see it on the screen. Proverbs chapter 12, and I want you to notice verse 25. It says, worry weighs a person down. How many of you can say amen to that? Worry weighs a person down. But notice this. Let's all actually say this next part together. Ready? But an encouraging word cheers the person up. Would you look at your neighbor real quick and just give them an encouraging word? Just tell them, so you look nice today. You look so nice today. Yeah. Worry or anxiety in a person's heart weighs them down. You can see it. When a person is covered in worry, they almost, like the woman who couldn't look up, it weighs you down. But an encouraging word. That's one of the visions of this church is to speak encouragement to you. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 8. This is a very, very powerful passage of Scripture. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Way too many Christians fall into this verse. I want to help us here today. Notice this. Sometimes it praises our Lord and our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Sometimes my tongue is giving God praise. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Other times my tongue is, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. How many know you can cut with your tongue? I've learned that with my children. I've learned that with my wife. The tongue really is a sword. And the book of James talks about it's the little rudder that can turn the whole ship. Let me give you a secret. Are you ready for this life-changing secret? If you don't like the way that your life is going, then you can change it by the words that you speak. That's what the book of James says. It's the rudder that changes the whole ship. Now notice here in verse 10. 
So we're blessing God one minute, then we're cursing those made in the image of God the next minute. Notice this here. When you curse those made in the image of God, you're cursing God. They're made in the image of God. It talks about blessing our Lord and then cursing the people that God made. Look at verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Come on, say, this is not right. Notice here that we need to train and tame our tongues to only speak life, only speak blessing. I'm working on this with my children. We're not there. I'm not there. I'm still working on this. But Scripture talks about only saying those things which are edifying, only saying those things which build up. Don't you think this would help a lot of people in the body of Christ? Don't you think this would help a lot of people on their jobs? Don't you think this would help a lot of people at school if we only spoke things that were good? and edifying and building up. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at one more scripture, and then we'll uh, wrap it up for today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That's what we're about. It can't just be the pastor and the staff stimulating people to love and good deeds. It says, let us, let all of us work together. Now look at verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. But encouraging one another. Even more as you see the day of our Lord drawing near. Now I'm going to give you what I think is my favorite PowerPoint for life in the history of me having PowerPoint for lives. I don't think I've ever had one that I've liked as much as this, Chad. And you're going to like it equally. If you don't have something nice to say, get saved. (laughs) Isn't that good? Well, you don't like it near as much as I did. I was amen in myself when I wrote that. And I even was about to give myself an offering, praise God. If you don't have anything nice to say, you need to get saved. You need to get Jesus in your heart. Because Jesus, John 10, came to give us life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. If Jesus is in you and the words of Jesus are in you, your words will be spirit and your words will be life. Say this with me. Just I want you to hear this. Say, my words can be spirit and life. Let's start a revolution of life-giving words. Too many people take and condemn and cut down with their words. With your children, with those that you're raising, those that you care, watch how you use your words over your children. We do this on purpose. We're very intentional. And sometimes my kids, will, the older ones, will say this, and we will correct them. They'll say, take... You're being a bad boy. And we stop it. Because Tate, you are not a bad boy. You are a good boy. You just made a really bad decision. I don't tell Lily, you're a bad girl. You're not a bad girl. Is that what I want? Last time I checked, words carry creative power. Do I want her to be a bad girl? Of course not. Last time I checked, God created the world with His words. God speaks those things which not as though they were. Your words contain life or death. I say, Lillian... You're, you're doing bad things. You're making bad choices. But I don't say, when Tara misbehaves, I don't say, you're a bad girl. <laughs> and aren't you glad? I don't say, you're a bad boy. You're a bad girl. Or, or you're never going to amount to nothing. Or why can't you do anything right? Or can't you do this right? And, and what, I mean, you know, we all get frustrated with our children. I don't say I do it perfectly. We all get frustrated. But I'm so careful to make sure what comes out of this pie hole in the middle of my mouth is life-giving and encouraging. And let me, let me, I'm going to tell on myself. Can I tell on myself? Miss Tara, the lovely Miss Tara, whom we love. Can we encourage my wife? She is awesome. 
Man, she puts up with me. The other day, she, she made something that wasn't quite like I desired, cooking-wise. <laughs> well, it gets better. I don't even remember what it was because I've tried to erase it out of my mind. And, and this was so funny. Noah, Noah, my son, my son Noah, who is 10, he said, Dad, you're not being encouraging. And I was mad because anytime your son rebukes you, it's not good. And I said, Noah, hush. I am being encouraging. I'm encouraging her to do better. Praise God. And I slept on the couch that night. Amen. I have to tell you this random story. It doesn't fit here. It fits with fasting, but I have to tell you because this is so funny. So the other day we we're talking about fasting, and my sweet little Lillian is four. That little beautiful little blonde-headed, curly-headed girl running around. She's, she's mine. She's four. Love Lillian, but she is spunky, and I'm telling you, she is sharp too. She, she said, Dad, we're driving in the car and going to a birthday party last week, Heather, and she said, Dad, I'm, I'm fasting sugar because she's heard Mom and Dad talk about we're fasting this and sugar and so forth. So she said, I'm fasting sugar. I said, Lillian, I'm so proud of you. I said, now you know we're going to a birthday party, and you know birthday cake has sugar in it, and that means you can't eat any birthday cake. She said, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, true story. One more. Just this week, we're sitting there again talking about our fast, and this is Lillian, sweet little Lillian, and, and we're talking about how our fast is going. I'm asking my kids, how's your fast going? Are you learning? Are you being in connection with the Lord, talking to my family? She said, Dad, I've decided I'm going to fast spankings. <laughs> I said, oh, honey, you don't get to decide that. She said, oh, yes, I do. I'm fasting spankings. So she's... Anyway, what was I talking about? My wife's cooking, yeah. I'm going to encourage you. You really need to do better at that. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. But I told on myself. But notice this here. If you don't have any nice to, something nice to say, you should get saved. I should preach my own. Will you lead the altar call after this, Pastor Michael? But here's what I really want to end on t today. This is what I want to focus on. If you have something nice to say, say it. Send a text message, send a note, send an email. Don't just have all these wonderful things about Meshach in your heart. You go home thinking, Meshach just did such a good job today on missions, and he's got such a heart for missions. And tell Meshach, speak it. Let's start a revolution instead of cursing with our words. Let's be, let's be a generous people of God. Yeah, come on, let's give God praise. Let's be a generous people of God with what we say. If you have something nice to say, Say it. For the love of God, say it. If you just love Joyce and you think she's working hard and serving those boys and doing a great job, don't keep it to yourself. Tell her. She needs to know. I need to know. If, if you think, man, Pastor James's jokes were great today, come up and tell me. I mean, I need to know. Praise God. Let's be generous. Thank you. I get one good one a year. That sounds self-serving. It is. It really is. Be generous with your praise. Be generous with your encouragement. Be very stingy with your criticism. Some people, thank God we don't have any or many here. We may say many. I don't say any. We don't have at least many here. But it's like, dear me, every time they approach me or I go to talk to them, it's like, what did I do wrong this time? You know what I'm saying? Let's not be that kind of person. Man, look, you, you show me somebody with a lot of friends, I'll show you somebody life-giving. You show me somebody with lonely, no friends, 
They may be life-taking with their words. We can, we can be generous with our encouragement. Amen? It's, it's the Bible. It's the Bible from the biddle. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's pray. Let's, let's wrap this up. Father, thank you for this great time this morning. Thank you for teaching us to be generous with our words and generous with our giving. Let's pray together. I want to give you a chance this morning. I always want to give you a chance for eternity. You may be in here today going, well, I wish I had this joy that you all see, and my life doesn't feel very generous right now, and frankly, I feel away from God. I feel far from God. I only came because my friend wanted me to come, or it's the right thing to do. I'm going to go back to James chapter 4. If you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. So I want to lead us in a prayer. This is you drawing near to God. I'm going to give you some words, but you have to put your heart behind it. You have to put your faith behind it. Let's all say this together out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess that I need you. I confess I need to draw near to you. There are things in my life I know are not pleasing to you. And I ask for forgiveness of those now. Sin and Satan, I turn my back on you. I renounce you. You are losing me today. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a fresh start. Give me a clean slate. I believe you died and rose again on the third day to pay for the penalty of my sin. Now I can have fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Nobody looking around. If you say, I just prayed that prayer really for the first time, that it actually really meant something. Or it's been a really long time. Maybe I was a kid or a teenager and walked away from God and hadn't really drew close to the Lord. But when I prayed that, put words and faith with that, I, I believe I meant it. Would you just slip up your hand? Is there anybody in the house this morning? We want to rejoice and celebrate with you. Jesus said, if you receive me, you have to confess me publicly. This is your opportunity to make a public confession. Anybody say, that's me, Pastor James. I, I prayed that prayer this morning. Amen. All right, look back up at me. God's so good. I'm so glad we're all brothers and sisters. That means you get to spend eternity in heaven with me. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful?